Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership styles forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as Maurice Manley II, the serial entrepreneur, interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. This is episode number 68, a written act of inspiration. Actor turned author Leo Clifton shares his journey from acting as a character on the big screen to traveling the world and being inspired to write books. He has created characters that symbolize today's young African-American males. His creative insight and enthusiasm with regard to storytelling is astonishing. Let's jump into this creative dialogue with Leo Clifton. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. Today joining me, this good brother, inspirational guy, world-traveled author, ex-actor, filmmaker soon to be. This man is is just unbelievable. Leo Clifton. What's going on, my man? Hey, pleasure to be here, Maurice. Man, it's, it's a humbling experience just as see your work, hear your work, and uh, have you interview me on your podcast. Man, I thank you for coming on. This is uh, great. You, you know, prior to coming on, you were telling me so many different stories, your your inspiration behind your book, and yes, your second one that you're working on. Right. Uh, before we get into it, let me just introduce the book. It's The Last Prince of Atlantis Chronicles, book one. And he's currently writing, or soon to be finished with, Book two, The Battle for the Crown. Yes, sir. So congrats on the success. But thank you. Before we get into all of that, let's let's go backwards some. Okay. Uh before you were an author, you were doing acting. You you've, yes, you, yes. you've, uh, you've done TV, movies, commercials. How were you acting as a child or no, I started as a teenager. Um I grew up in Oxnard and but I always wanted to be an actor hmm. so the funniest thing I was doing modeling before I was doing you know really getting the acting gigs and the first gig, first Hollywood gig I ever got was Tupac Temptations this was a Tupac yeah. Temptations yeah that's Tupac one. as in all eyes on me all eyes on me <laughs> so when as everyone know when the rape charge and all that crazy stuff was going on with Pac, he was in jail. So all his celebrity friends did this video for him. They, they did all these cameos from well, Coolio, Ice-T, Jada Pinkett. Before she was married to Will Smith. Um, the list goes on. So I had a scene with uh, Salt Spinnerella, like playing a strip poker. Scene we shot in the famous Alexander Hotel. And we were in the Bellatino room. It was like his room, the actor back in the, I guess the twenties, it was twenties actor. So we, we shot the scene there of Bill Bellamy was in it. 
um, that was that was really cool. That was that was a cool uh, time experience. And man, rest in peace, Pac. Wow, that sounds interesting. So you did that actually become a, a thing? The Pac Temptations, the, the Tupac Temptation. Yeah, the music video. It was a music video. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was so that was your first gig. That was my first gig. And then I did the quite a bit of modeling. Uh, Carl Kanai, love that brother. Um, did I mean it goes on? Did a lot of yeah fashion shows. Um, then. I was going to actually become an MTV host. Um, hmm. I learned a lot. I kind of screwed up. I was young and dumb <laughs> back in those days. That's when I, I think was hey, we I, all were. All right. <laughs> I was wilding out. But so I, it was a show called Singled Out. I was on that show. You were on that show? Too? I was on there. Singled <laughs> Out. So I went to the Valley. Yeah. There's a bunch yeah. of us kids just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, that, I, <laughs> I was on that show. They actually offered me a job. To, to co-host with Jenny and Chris Hardwick. Did you say up. yes? Of course. So this is how it <laughs> happened. So when I used to drive from, at that time, I was living in Santa Barbara. I was going to school. When I had auditions, I would drive down to L.A., but I would stop by MTV Studios at the time. It was all for Laura Canyon. Um, it, was like, it was like a mall, Macy's or something, I remember. So I would stop by and say hi to the to the producers, So every time I was in an area. So one time I was doing this fashion show at the Roxbury back in the day. Um, you remember Sharon, they made that movie, the Roxbury. So one of the producers was there, like everybody used to go there that time, like Janet Jackson, Mark Wahlberg, you know, all the 90210 on Tuesday nights. So one of the producers was there was like, you know what, you will be perfect to open the show for Chris and Jenny because we're looking for another co-host. I'm like, I'm going to do it. It's like, come in the next day. And I was I was in my partying mode and <laughs> I missed the damn audition. I was just, I'm like, I'm sorry. It's like, you made me look bad. The producers were here. Um, come this day. So wow. they gave me another opportunity mm-hmm. and I messed that up. What? Yeah. I was like, then man, I was like 21. Um, so I didn't literally not know where the place was. I met this beautiful girl in Australia, up from Australia and in, in, in Santa Barbara. I was like, just like, I'm show you, I'm going to this MTV um, uh, audition. I got to talk to the producers, came along. I didn't know where it was. I was just, <laughs> I was just mesmerized by this, this girl. And when I heard not acceptable, literally Maurice, I had to work so much harder because those times, I mean, opportunities not given to brothers like just like that. Right, I built right. a rapport with them, and I've just been young and dumb. I messed it up. Um, so after that, I got little small parts in there. Actually, I got my SAG card through uh, Mr. Steven Spielberg Amistad. I was an Amistad. Hmm. So right there is a letter um, sitting there um, on my little mantle from him. Uh, and that's when I really started appreciating Black African culture. Because, I mean, I grew up, you know, pretty much in Oxnard on the beach. I was a surfer, you know, I'm a brother. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was okay. a surfer. I didn't really read black history until my black ass was in chains on a real boat <laughs> in the water. I know ocean. that was an experience. That was an Wait, it. they had you in actual real chains? Real chains. Sometimes naked. They did the real portrayal of the actual wow. events with Jimon Hunso. Yeah. Okay, so real quick, before we go any further, just tell me about that experience on a mental 
spiritual metaphysical level like what what like did it did it seem like or feel like you were encapsulated like taken yeah, back back in time yeah back in back in time and, and so now in well well then but in the present tense how did that feel it it felt it just made me appreciate being black it and it just seeing had the portrayal of the the white men who were literally getting ready to, to rape the, the the black women and there was this the scene with I'm not sure. Remember, almost died. Like um, a young girl was having her her child in the through the middle passage, and and uh, Jamie plays uh, Simbe, the the, the 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 true hero who 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 did the revolt, the Amistad revolt. I hope I said the name correct. It's been years since um since uh, you know I worked on it, but the 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 mother, the the grandmother of that child, she just went overboard. She drowned. She'd rather be drowned and be in captivity. Um, to literally seeing people just breaking down, crying, just it's, it was just really heartbreaking. Mm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I would manage mentally and just on a spiritual level with that type of experience. It, it, it was, it was intense. Um, there was, the scene I had, I don't have one scene. Well, I don't speak um, Mende, the the language. Um, type. They had real Africans portraying those parts, and I just got really blessed. To, I was given a um, a liner, one liner, with with Jaime, and I was basically bagging for food, and it was like giving like porridge out to the slaves. So I was supposed to be one of the six slaves uh, that they dragged overboard and drowned, and and they had in that cargo uh, ledger that they had so many amount of slaves, but it didn't add up to the ones that they they dumped overboard. Um, but just still as a black man, I love Steven Spielberg for him to make that. It, I mean, you know, he's famous for Schindler's List, and it was Debbie Allen who right, made that right. happen. I mean, it was time Debbie Allen would just cry, just literally just bawl when, it, when a powerful scene happened. And it was just, we just really respected just I, the ancestors were there. I respected Steven Spielberg's vision of what he's done to portray that, and um, I'm just honored by just just to be a part of it. Yeah, that's. Yeesh. Now you also have a background in insurance. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. You like you're about that? Yeah. You do so do you, brother. Yeah, but you know the funniest thing with the insurance I got into after them, I wasn't bringing on. Bring It On had a big influence on the book. But so after I did Bring It On, I kind of stopped acting. Um, seemed like I was going up for more playing kind of, you know, villain roles, a bad, you know, a gangster. I'm not a gangster. I played, you know, I played that. But I just kind of got tired of it. And I was like, what can I do to sustain, you know, my 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 lifestyle of who I am? Like this friend said, you know, you should get into a, become a financial planner. So when I took the insurance exam and I found out about residual income, I'm like, oh, this is like acting. Yeah, oh, exactly. I'm, yeah, I'm staying with this. And so I've been with that for the last like 14 years. And I built up quite a bit of a book of business for clients. I had a really big corporate client, really huge. Um, everybody eats their sriracha. I won't say their name, <laughs> but um, I was the only brother that took care of them. Um, 
but that money I made allowed me to do the things I did, writing the book, traveling around the world, doing the research, all those things. So I think it's a blessing. So let me ask you, all of these um, experiences, these gifts and talents that you've been bestowed with, when, how, at what point did you realize that you were going to be a writer? Honestly, I really didn't know I was going to be a writer. It just came from just from the acting background, from reading a lot of screenplays and reading books. I'm a big, my heroes is uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, and I love Alexander Dumas, the Black, uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. And uh, there's this great book, if you have not read uh, Tom Rice's Pulitzer Prize winning book, uh, The Black Count, the true story of the of the Count of Monte Cristo. Dumas wrote this story about his father. He was the first five-star black general under Napoleon. It wasn't for him. Napoleon probably wouldn't have conquered anything. Mm. Um, it's a real interesting story, but just um, Dumas, his writing, like the Three Musketeers, I just, I just related to it. And one day, it just dawned on me when I just started writing the story. I was watching, I think it was Twilight, and I, it just hit me. I was like... Man, I'm watching this Harry Potter, you know, movies, reading the books. I didn't read any the Twilight books. And I'm like, I don't see any black or even multicultural black protagonist characters or heroes in the young adult sci-fi mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And this is in, uh, what year is this? Probably like 2011. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to make one up. And But I always had the Atlantis story in me. I, I think for one, for Ben, named after Leonard Nimoy, he had a show called In Search Of. And they talked about the lost city of Atlantis. And I remember from my instinctively from me, I remember as a kid that the voiceover, they were showing these black kids playing in the Caribbean. And I remember hearing, are these are descendants of Atlantis? Still not even knowing that I had a story, just I just started writing. And literally it was like a floodgate, like characters start coming to me. So... Prior to that, you weren't like a big story writer in school or no, anything. No, like but, but there's another book I was I read. A friend told me about. It was called uh, The Artist's Way. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. So I actually kind of started that way because in the artist. But way, what inspired you to read the art? So a friend just said, "Hey, read this book." And I was a friend of mine, um, a, a a girl I was kind of dating, and, and I knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this girl. Yeah, and she said, "You still have an artist kind of heart. You you, sh- you should read this book." And so, I just I just read it. Just you know, I took her advice and not even thinking thing of it. This is probably like a year prior, and it talked about morning pages. You just write without thinking. Just yeah, subconscious. Just mm-hmm. you, know, you just write. Six months later, three months later, look back at what you wrote. You'd be surprised of what you wrote, and it's still kind of. In, chronological order of what you were thinking, but not even thinking. Mm. And I think that, that kind of set the tone for me when I was writing the last Prince of Lantis Chronicles. I wasn't, I was just started writing. I wasn't thinking, it was just the characters just came to me, just floodgate. So now what would you say is the correlation between acting as a character and then actually creating a character? Wow. It's, you know what? It's kind of, to me, it's, almost the same because when I wrote the book I wrote it as a movie it was a movie in my mind soundtrack I can hear the music the themes I can hear all those things as I was writing it so I wrote it as a a film and 
most people who read the book, it's like, this is like a comic book. It's, um, I'm like, yeah, I guess you can say it's almost like it's it being almost like a comic book, but it's still a regular, you know, I mean, traditional young adult novel. Um, so it's kind of, I would say the same as acting as a character and writing characters for me, from, from my point of view, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. It just seems like, um, it would be somewhat an easy transition. Yeah, it um, was, you know, acting as opposed to creating. Cause I feel like visually and just, um, you know, mentally you can, kind of take yourself because you know acting I've dibbled and dabbled in it slightly and what I do know I'm not saying I was the best Mm because I probably was trash in here brother (laughs) (laughs) but you have to put your mind in in the mind of that character in the mind of that character in that moment and so I would imagine creating a character you would somewhat have to do the same thing put your mind in the mind of the character that you're intending to create um, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, it's, I think it's very true. I'm every single character that I wrote. I, I, I feel like I am that character is part of me. Okay. Um, especially okay. the Alan character. Um, and to be honest with you, how I, another reason why I wrote the book, I fell in love with a beautiful Australian Greek girl. Of course. It's always <laughs> a woman. I'm trying to, t- <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm being honest with you. I met her in Vegas and it's the funniest thing when I was coming back she was leaving Vegas to LA and we still hung out it's like this girl is so cool and I was already doing some traveling at that time I was I think I was in Dominican Brazil but she went to Mexico and she got sick and I had I was back to work and at the time I already spent so much money like I didn't have the money to go visit her and part of me said that I don't ever want to be in that position again if someone I really care about I want to be there for them. Right, right. And that was another catalyst. She was a, kind of the catalyst. She was an amuse uh, at the time when I was writing. Yeah, it's always a woman. <laughs> always a woman. So let me ask you, from a mental perspective, how challenging was it for you to transition from doing something that you were successful at, you were making money, to doing something that you've never ventured before. Wow. Yeah. It, it's literally like stumbling blocks constantly. Um, I'm, like, I'm, like, tell me about your mental process. Like, how did you, because I know a lot of people and including myself, like there's some trepidation when, mm-hmm. because it's the unknown, it, right? It's, it's and it's unfamiliar unknown. and you're like, well, can I do this? Yeah, like yeah. I was telling you about this podcast when I started, I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was a new world. Right. So for you, how was that mentally? Was 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 there fear or was there Actually, more excitement? No. Yeah, it was it was excitement. I were, I was fearless with it. Just I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna go all in. It's like you're gonna love it, you're gonna hate it. But I just went all in. I'm not, I'm not an editor, uh, any of those things. So when I wrote the book. I actually had a publishing house, an editor who was interested in it. And when they let her go, I decided to put it out, self-publish it. So when I self-published it, I started off on Goodreads. Um, I found out about that site. It's a big, huge social media site for, for writers. So any genre of books you name, um, they have it. So I started giving to people around the world, like, hey, read this book. Let me know what you think. 
you know, for just to have feedback. And a lot of people are like, man, this book is so great. If you just take out the slang, was mostly a, the Midwest soccer moms like, if you take the slang out, you're going to have like a Harry Potter type hit. I was trying to cater to black kids and Latino kids, but the majority of the audience were reading it were white kids. Hmm. Okay. And then once you started, you just got engrossed and just, I just got, I just got engrossed. So I made changes, but still, you know, you're always going to have some haters that, but they say you can't be successful without some haters. So I even listened to their comments that made some changes to it, but still I wasn't sure what I was going to do until I had the opportunity. Uh, what my mentor, rest in peace, resident Rutherford, um, told me like, I'm going to help you get your book at the Grove. I had a book signed at the Barnes and Noble at the Grove. And another person, I rest in peace, who was a who was an influencer, Christoph St. John. He was like my hmm. big brother. Okay. You know, close to his, his father, too, uh, Christopher St. John. He was actually going to be the original chef. There's a long story about that. So huh. when I used to hang out with him, watch football games at his crib, and I was telling him, I was writing the stories, like this guy, he, he got this necklace, he can teleport, he has, you know, ride dolphin sharks, whales. And Christoph like, man, this sounds pretty dope. Just keep, you know, keep doing it, Dad. And his dad's like, just keep writing, just keep writing. And um, he wrote a film back in the 70s called Top of the Heat. Um, this is after Shaft. So when I wrote it, when everything was done and packaged and I showed it, like to Christoph, Dad, he saw it. He's like, this is a movie. This is a movie. This is a movie. It's like literally I had like tears in his eyes. Yeah. He saw that I made it come to fruition. And that, and, and. And I was just still fearless. They were so supportive of me. I have a picture of him somewhere. He's holding the book, um, Christoph. Um, but to get back to, I forgot, I, I kind of jumped off course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you're asking me, or yeah. <laughs> It was about the transition. It's the transition. So yeah. the transition was, I just had a lot of support, but I was just fearless with it. And when I gave it out, people read from Goodreads. I got uh, good feedback. But when I did Barnes & Noble to have the book signing at the Grove, um, I mentioned to you before, I was named after Leonard Nimoy. William Shatner had his book signing the day before. And it was about their relationship. And seeing his banner next to my banner and the window of Barnes & Noble, that's like, wow, yeah. my hair stood up. Yeah. So when I had my book signed, a lot of people came in support, bought the book. Still wasn't sure what to do with it. It was three books in one because I always want to do a three book series. So my mentor, Reginald, said, you got to do Comic-Con now. You got to create the cosplay characters. And I was like, "Okay, here's another little, like you said, trepidation, a little challenge. Like, how am I going to do this? And so I actually went with my old agent. Um, she was in San Diego. That's how I got the, when I did the bringing on, they shot, uh, my scenes in San Diego. The majority of the movies shot in San Diego. So I, I asked her, I'm looking for male models, um, to kind of fit this characters I wrote. And she sent me pictures and I found this, this really handsome young man named Kevin Rankin. And, uh, and I found another, this young lady named Emily Parker to be the, the Athena character and Kevin's, uh, the Alan King, the last Prince Atlantis character. So when I put him in the cosplay with the eyes and dreadlocks and um, and Emily, she's just natural beauty. People was like, who are you guys? And that's when I knew I was like, I have something tangible because now they see it kind of like in real life. Right. Right. And they can it's almost like placing the face to a name. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that set the tone for me. Like, OK, now it's time for the original book to have it. Make it three books. And so I hired someone who worked on Breaking Bad. She's a screenwriter. Um, 
So I paid her what she's doing. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go travel around the world. I'm going to have it more in depth, but I already written. So when I started, I went to Australia. So in the book, it takes place in Miami. Um, when he finds this crystal necklace, it gives him powers, telepathy, teleportation. He can speak to speak uh, the sea animals. So when he meets Athena, well, we don't want to give too much of the okay. book away because yeah, we yeah. want people to go right, and buy right. it yes, and sir. read it. So, yes, sir. so, <laughs> so, and so, I went to Sydney. I started uh, filming part of, um, on my phone, social media, like kind of documentary style, and I may still do a documentary for that. Um, Maybe you absolutely add, should do a documentary. I maybe add some of this part of it. And, um, and maybe do a documentary of your life and just how you create. Yeah. I think that yeah. would be amazing too, Thank as you, well brother. as inspiring. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, you, oh, I'm sorry. So I, so I went to Sydney, started off there, and I talked about, because the book talks about the effects of climate change, um, all those things. It's literally just in my soul. Just I'm, I feel like I'm connected to the planet, um, Earth, and just how mankind has been slowly destroying it. So I talked about that, you know, went to the Great Barrier Reef, um, filmed part of that. That's all in the book. And, and that was an amazing experience. The, that's the largest organism you can see from out of space, the Great right. Barrier Reef. Right. And just being there and just seeing the beauty and seeing part of the bleaching kind of both effects and hearing from the locals saying that it's the people going there with the gas boats. That's what's destroying the reef, which is man, you know, well, that's humans doing their doing it, but you still seeing the beauty of it. That was just so majestic. I never imagined me doing that. This book has taken me there. That's huge. That's huge. That's, that's real big. So let me ask you, I don't know if you've heard, but I hear a lot of people talk about motivation versus inspiration, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And some people will say, you know, being motivated is not good or it's not enough. It's more so about inspired. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, I know. No. Um, but um, so I was thinking, I said, huh, I think true dynamic greatness comes when the two intersect. Yes, sir. Motivation and inspiration when they cross. Mm-hmm. I don't think one is enough by itself. Mm-hmm. Right. So for you, what is it? What what are the things or the thing when when you're motivated or when you're inspired and they cross? What is that for you? Well, I'm motivated even more so now for me personally. I'm motivated because. Personally, I love the story. I, I love... Well, motivated and inspired. I, I'm inspired by people who just done great things. Just, for example, Leonard Nimoy. I'm inspired by that man so much. You know, he played the character Spock and he played, you know, it was a hybrid. He was, a you know, right, crossbreed. Right. But he inspired so many people, especially people of color, to... to to kind of just do greater things. I was reading uh, something about his biography. It was a girl who was biracial saying that you really inspired me because she hated being, you know, half black, half white because people would treat her um, like you're not black, you're not white. But And he was saying, just be you. So that's kind of, if I hope that makes sense. It, it Maybe not. Um, yeah, like what? Okay, let me let me but, see if I can phrase it a different way. But what inspires me is people 
that I feel like I inspired them. There's been so many people who tells me like, man, everything you're doing is so inspiring. It just uh, makes me want to be a better person. So it kind of inspires me more so to, I guess in a sense, I'm a role model just to just to do the things that I know is right. Um, I really wanted to change. This is what I want to do, if this makes sense. Once this becomes a phenomenon, I feel it will with blessing God, only and ancestors that I want to create a foundation for kids. Um, they can go to any school they want, especially kids who are in a foster care program. Um, cause most kids who are in a foster care program, when they aged out, they have nowhere to go, especially young girls. Mm. They mm-hmm. get caught in sex trafficking and all these other horrible things. So I want to create a program for them so they can go to any institu- institution they want. Once they become successful, they got to help the next person. Yeah. And so on and so on. So That's I hope did, did that answer part of it or I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is okay. I, I, I kind of get caught up in a moment sometimes. No, no worries. No worries. I was more so trying to see or, or find what is that cross section for you when those, when the inspiration and motivation meet, because I think that that's when we kind of take action, right? When we're, it's not just, okay, I'm inspired. Mm-hmm. I, Cause I think we can all be inspired, but not necessarily be motivated to take action. Oh. And then I, I think that we can be motivated but not inspired, inspired. to create. So for saying. you, what is that? Saying. Where does that crosshair cross intersect to where you get like, okay, not only am I inspired, but I'm motivated as well. Now I can take action and really create something that's huge. I, I'm inspired by doing something no one's never done before. I feel like from my point of view, um, there's a lot of great writers and black writers who write sci-fi. Um, but I'm motivated and more so to do things I know they haven't done. Um, like going to Africa, case diving with sharks. I'm sure people have done it, but doing it vicariously like the characters in the book, that's what motivates me to just do it and just do it passionately. And the craziest thing is when I do it, other people who never met me before, they seem to be inspired just by my actions mm. being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a drone majority of the time, I'm always the only brother of <laughs> course, out there in the water, <laughs> um, doing those things. And, and i and I'm just motivated. Just try to be a good person. I'm gonna give you an example. When I was getting ready to, I had a couple of South African brothers film me when I was coming to the airport to add towards my documentary or social media. I was talking to a gentleman to the right of me on the plane about what I was doing. And it was this woman behind me angry it's like in my mind i'm saying i've never been hmm. to south africa apartheid and all that this woman was r-a-c-i-s-t and if i move my seat back she's like move your seat you know the south african accent and, and when we land i was like who the heck is i'm from la I, I didn't say anything when i grabbed my backpack it touched her she's like get your backpack off of me and i was so wanted to say something but I'm in a different country now. I'm in a, I'm not out of my zone and I'm not going to act a fool. And I think about it even more so after the incident that happened with, um, what's, what's the brother's name? ASAP Rocky, when he was in uh, the Netherlands, he was like in Sweden or something. Some guys were following him around and he got arrested. I'm not sure if you remember that. I do. I do. Same thing. 
I'm guaranteed. Same thing probably would happen to this brother. You know, I just stayed calm. Plus, I had to be focused. Once I got off the plane, this guy was about to film me. So I couldn't have her energy affect my energy of what I was doing. So now I know any little thing I do, I'm not where I'm at, where I want to be at yet, but I know it's going to happen. But those little things could probably come back and bite you in the butt. Right, right. Yeah, it's... You got to be on your P's and Q's yeah, at all a, times yeah, and be, and Q's, be yes, not sir. only responsible for yourself, but for others. Um, and that's part of being great. Exactly. You know I mean? an example. Exactly. E- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How do you know when you've created something that moves the hearts and minds of people? I get back. It was a, a, a young gentleman who... Came, I became friends with, and he found me on social media. He, this is what I knew when I like moved hearts and minds. He Googled Black Atlantis, and I guess my book pulled up. He hit me up on Instagram. It's like, Mr. Clifton, I need to talk to you, bro. And I'm like, who the heck is this dude? He was like really animated. And make a long story short, I'm still an insurance broker. And the, uh, the one company I was working with, they took me the following month where he lives in, in North Carolina. And um, Charlotte. And then we connected and he was like, when he, we talked in depth, like, man, your book inspired me so much. And he really related to the Jake and Francisco characters. And um, that was, that was pretty moving. And I have um, another person who contacted, she wanted me to be a mentor to her. And I was like, wow, it's, it's actually happening. But I'm still, I was like, Am I really in a position to really mentor him the way I want to? Because I'm still so all over the place. So I just try to send her just inspiring words. And, you know, just like you said, like you have a quote of the day, just inspiring words to tell her, just keep doing what you're doing. And um, just don't um, deter from where you're going because she, she grew up in foster care. So she kind of relates in a sense to some of the characters in the book, too. Um yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to do the best I can. You know, I'm only human. <laughs> That's right. We all are. We all are. Would you say that your your life imitates art or does art, your art, imitate your life? It's funny you said, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, for example, I, like I was telling you, when, <clears throat> when I was in Australia talking about climate change is real, when I was filming it, uh, when I was in front of the Sydney Opera House. You know what has just happened with the fire just recently in, in, in Australia? It hit me hard because I was out there for a month. I was really, I really embraced uh, the Aboriginal culture, just learning about, about their culture and just still, I'm still a black man, you know, in, in Australia. But did I, you, you just went to Australia to visit or yeah, you I, were living there? No, I was, I was there for a month. Yeah, I was there to visit, doing a research on my, my characters and, you know, live it up a little bit. Okay. Um, but it just to me, it's strange. I was talking about climate change and it, it really affected Australia really bad with the fires I had because they said it causes um, the effects of climate change with the, there's not much rain and fire I and mean, all these fires going on. I'm like, I mean, I was just talking about this, but I'm not psyching anything. We know climate change is affecting all parts of the world here uh, also. Um, but when life imitates art, 
yes, I was mentioned to you. I'm not going to mention a whole detail when it was a certain film that I saw. I thought I saw some similarities to my book. I was like, hmm, hold up. I wrote this eight years ago. But when people talk about um, the quantum physics and what, you know, you put things out in the universe, other people pick up on it. Mm-hmm. So right, right. I'll just, I just leave it at that. I'm just going to stay on my path. And when, when my lantus rise, it will rise. That's right. Okay. How, how do you define your creative style? I just, just being me, I, I it's just, I think it got a little bit of everything, a little bit of, a little bit of swag, a little bit of uh, bohemian, um, <laughs> uh, just organic. Um, for the for the people out there that may not know what bohemian is, what is that? <laughs> now you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, let's go. <laughs> you know, it got it has to me. It has a little. It just has is a fusion of everything. You know, black. Um, why, when we say bohemian, <laughs> you said it. I said it. Oh, man, let's see here. Uh, you, you, are you looking up the definition? Oh, no, nah, come on. You put Google down. You guys can't see it. He pulled his phone out and he's going to Google bohemian and he said the word. Come on, you're yeah, supposed to yeah. know. You used it. Um, we're just going to just move on from there. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right how do you lead yourself through difficult situations man i just give i just give it all to god man um i honestly feel that like i mentioned you before with with amistad um i just embraced my 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 ancestors to help me get through wherever I get through and i literally do believe i mean in prayer prayer does work if you if your mind and conscience is clear and you pray and and you think the right thoughts, things will happen. Um, even when I'm going through, I feel like some bad times, I just got to breathe and stop and just kind of just meditate. Mm. Okay. And you would recommend that for everybody, just kind of take a pause, take a beat. Just take a pause, take a beat, because I'm naturally, I'm a hyperactive person. And sometimes I got to like, stop and just like breathe and relax Mm -hmm. and but uh it's sometimes it's tough when you live in you you live in this this world today i'm i don't try to play the you know the victim being the black man just you know societies you know pounding pounding on me but i'm proud of this black skin and there's certain things we go through other people don't go through right right absolutely especially being a man um I just have to still pause and, and just actually I will look back and reflect on the things I've done and like, it's not as bad as I thought. Yeah, that's true. Cause it's all mental. Yeah. I often try to find a through line, especially for the audience, because you know, we all go through difficult times and situations in life. And whenever I'm talking to people, especially um, people like yourself and, and other leaders and great people, try to kind of get into the mind or the mindset and in terms of how do we persevere and just punch through yeah. the the barriers that are in front of us and still make sure that we have that cross section of motivation and inspiration Boom, that part where we don't give up and we still like, okay, you know what, in spite of what I see, what I feel, mm-hmm. 
which is real to us all, you know, right. our feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to go through with this and, and, and push and make it. And, and you know, um, because I believe in addition to prayer and meditating, there's still an action that we have to do, whether it's mental or physical. There's still a mindset that we may have to shift. There's still a viewpoint that we may have to adopt. And so I'm always just curious about with uh, great people and like-minded people, what is their viewpoint? What is their action step? What is their mindset? How do they do what they do when faced with uh, perceivable, perceivable obstacles? Man, for me personally, still, I've, I've, I try to talk to someone who knows me really well to help me get through some things. And, um, and I take their, their words to heart because I, they, they're doing really great things. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to mention two people. One, you know, Dwight Johnson, love that brother. Shout out Dwight. Big mm-hmm. Dwight. Um, I love talking to him because he will put me, he will, he will, he'll give me different perspectives of what's going on. And one of my dear friends, like my brother, his name's Alpha Monyema. Um, I, I would talk to him. He has a lot of, this man's doing amazing things. He has a foundation called Jinko Foundation. And hmm. it's, and what Jinko is, he's first generation Nigerian, but they have, um, they do hip and knee replacements, all these great things in Nigeria and they have scholarship programs um, he's like everyone from like Oprah has donated. He just had his last, um, charity event. Um, David Yellowell, uh, Charlie Sterling was there, but, but anytime around him, I, I see how much he gives and gives back. And when I have problems, he's always there for me just, just to listen. Uh, mm-hmm. and just to me, great people like him and Dwight, they, they keep me focused on that. You can get through it. If that makes sense. Oh, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, you got to surround yourself with the right people. Right people, exactly. And and especially if you can get around people that are smarter than you and have had more experiences, they've been through some of the trials and tribulations, um, probably bigger trials and tribulations, not to minimize anyone's situation, but... Rich Dad, Poor Dad talked about that. Exactly, exactly. And they can kind of navigate and guide you through. Now, this is great advice. Complete this sentence for me. I trust myself best when. I just, I trust myself best when I'm self-conscious of what I'm doing um, before I react. If that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) For me, this is... for me, Maurice, this sounds weird. I feel like I'm alien a lot of times that I feel like I'm Yo. so, so oh. abstract that. Me too. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, I tell people all the time I'm alien, but I just had to get that in. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. So sometimes people say certain things like I, I want to convey in a certain way, but it may come out so abstract that I don't know if you're going to get it or not. So um it's it's weird coming from like i did come from an acting back background mm-hmm. but i feel sometimes so much more introvert than extrovert um mm. and i think that may have come from the writing right um but my actions i hope speak for ourselves um and what i do when i'm attempting to do 
Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And his alien brother. <laughs> <laughs> Could just be your creative mind that um, kind of puts you in that that introvert you know, yeah, mode yeah, or, yeah. or headspace, if you will, because it's probably so much swimming around that you get caught up in that more so than you are in the present. Exactly. Exactly. That's, um, there's times that I can remember something happens, like it could be even a year ago, a year from now, like Mm -hmm. I literally, I may have a dream, a thought of something and it, and it happened in verbatim of how I saw it. Like, like you in a dream state. Yeah. And Sometimes I want like to say, a premonition. Yeah, premonition. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes I was like, man, I, I don't want to say anything to anyone because, like, man, this dude is crazy. But it's just <laughs> like saying I'm an alien. It's, it's we, we all have our gifts. We're, we're all tapped in. It just it just depends on how much that person's tapped in and how much they know how to use their abilities they have. And I'm just thankful for God and, and just to just to have written the last Prince of Lances Chronicles book one. Book two, book three will come out the year later after book two comes out. And I just hope I'm continuing to inspire and, you know, my way, my own way. Yeah. And you will. That Thank goes you. without saying. Oh, Thank for you. sure. Thank you, brother. You I appreciate definitely it. Definitely will. Um, few more questions. Yeah. Yeah. You're a traveler. So what are your your three things? If you had to give three keys of inspiration that you glean when you're traveling, what would those three things be? Respect the culture, wherever you are, because you're in somebody else's world, culture, land. And I'm going to give you an example. I almost did something really silly and and stupid in a sense. Um, when I was in Hawaii, I still consider Hawaii's not part of the United States because they have their own Hawaiian culture. Mm-hmm. And like, there's tons of lava rocks and I was going to grab a rock. And my friend's like, you don't do not touch that. You're going to disrespect the, like their, their customs and their beliefs. Customs, yeah, and, beliefs. Yeah. and they told me, she told me that a lot of people, they take rocks, like things that happen, like they send those rocks back. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just, yeah. They possess a certain energy. It's, yeah. You, you respect, you respect the culture. Um, I forgot what was the other question. Um, no, you, you're given the three, three things that the three key takeaways from traveling. So respect, respect the culture, culture. That's one. Um, just love where you are and, and what you're doing in that moment and be a part of it. I'd say that's the second thing. And three, just I'm not sure it makes sense. Just enjoy the food. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the food. <laughs> hey, enjoy the life. That's a, you. You gotta eat. So you gotta it's, eat. You it's gotta, important. You gotta sustain it's important. your energy. Exactly. What makes a leader great and iconic? A leader great and iconic. I heard uh, one of your podcast um, interviews. Uh, leader great and iconic. Just being innovative and believe in something that. Even though other people don't believe what you're doing, just stick with it and let it come to fruition. Um, of course, we know you know Martin Luther King was was an iconic, great leader, but a lot of things he learns from from Gandhi, who people consider was a was a great leader. But um, to me, one of the greatest leaders that 
I really love now even even more so was Mandela. When I was in South Africa, you can feel like still his presence of, of what this man's done. I think they're only the fourth black president um, there. And I, and I went to the, so the, actually the jail cell that he was in, I didn't go to Robbins Island, but they had a holding cell for him and all these great tribal leaders before they took him there. And, and literally I felt their energies like these great people that, um, they put in this, this concentration camps for no reason. Cause they wanted to kill our leaders. Mm. But another one of my great leaders that, well, someone I look up to is Shaka Zulu. Um, he was very different person, uh, in a sense where, I mean, he, he killed a lot of his own people. He was, a, he was, some people thought he was a mad man, but he was a military genius. Um, but for me personally, I hope if I do turn, feel like I've become an icon, I'm just, I just want to inspire. Like you, I, I said, it's a hundred times. You're already there. You, um, <laughs> It's thank you. It, it's it's humbling. I don't even think of it. I just I'm just doing it. I just really want to inspire just kids and just all, all kids, uh, people of color, um, black, white, Latino, Asian, every, everyone. I just want to just inspire and give back the much that I can. The more I succeed, just give back because the more you give, the more you're able to inspire and help others who's going to really be inspirations to others in the future. Right, right. Okay, final question. And since you've you've listened to a few episodes, you know what this one is. It's the tabula rasa, which stands for a blank slate. Okay, so the artist that you are, you have a blank canvas in front of you, and okay. you have all the colors that you can possibly want or need because you're going to paint a picture, and this picture is going to be a representation of your life. Now, you've completed all of your books. Okay. You've traveled the world. You've inspired and touched millions, billions of people. You've made your your documentaries, your movies, your TV shows. You've you've completed everything that you set out to do. Everything that you thought of. You made tons of money. You've built schools. You've whatever you name it. Maybe you got married and you had your kids, and your kids are grown and they're out the house now. Coming back to this blank canvas, what picture do you paint? for your life what colors do you do you use well colors i use i would use blue in the sky the ocean and this is also part of my my birthstone um aquamarine um green meaning that uh, the land is lush plush um a little bit of red, the sky, the skyline, a little bit uh, the clouds, a little bit of red. It's just um, bringing that kind of that orange kind of hue. Um, black would be, I love, there's nothing like seeing, literally when people go to the certain places in the world and you go to like in, in Greece and Santorini, they have the Parisa Beach, it's Black Sand Beach. It's the most Beautiful, pristine, as the most beautiful, majestic thing I ever seen. Walking on black sand. Black is a powerful thing, brother. Black is a very powerful thing. Is, is that it? Those that, are the colors. I would say that that would be the colors, man. And, and what's the picture? 
it would be the the picture would be the the ocean, blue sky, black sand. Um, got, yeah, I'm I'm it's the water. It's it's we come from water, um, the earth. If that makes sense, I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm alien. No, 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 it's cool. So you would paint you your picture would be a picture of the ocean, the ocean, and, and yeah. the sand, the sand, and that would represent you, the sand, the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like the picture behind us, except there's wow. no sand. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's trip. Yeah, it's very fitting. And then you said you're an Aquarian or I'm a Pisces, Pisces I'm a which Pisces. is fish, so you and love yeah, the water. Yeah, aquamarine quartz. This necklace is aquamarine quartz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. Leo, man, I want to salute you and thank you for all of the work that you're doing with the books, with your um, your vision in terms of the films and the characters. You're inspiring uh, people and children. Thank you. Another person I had to say was the inspiration I mentioned to you. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. The uh, the the pounding against the chest three times came the lantern word salute came from Kobe and I learned something from you I didn't know that's how you wake your chakras yeah um, so uh, thank you Kobe for being an inspiration for that and um, but thank you thank you Maurice you you are an inspiration brother oh. what you're doing is is amazing and I I feel blessed to be a part of it yeah thank you for being a part of it and uh, yeah you're you're doing great things I love your work and thank you. The, you're, you're touching people greatly through your stories, um, just through, you know, being who you are. But what I want to do now is open up the platform so you can put your information out. Where can people purchase your book? Where can they follow you? Um, yes, whether sir. it's on social, yeah. website, whatever, just um, you can, go ahead. You can follow me up. Well, LeonardClifton.com uh, has all my social media pages. Um, uh, Instagram is Leonard Clifton Global Citizen. Um, Facebook, uh, the Lantern, uh, Last Prince of Lantern Chronicles fan page. But if you go on LeonardClifton.com, you'll see everything from YouTube, um, radio interviews, and this beautiful podcast will be on there as well. From everything from Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LeonardClifton.com. Excellent. Excellent. Any um, questions or you things you want to ask me? I just think you're amazing. And, and it's funny that we have so much similarities that didn't know when we were talking that you come from an insurance background, too. Yeah. You used to dabble a little bit of acting. Um, you, you have a very. Um, I love how you interview. I listen to your interviews. You you have a very soothing but powerful voice, you you know how to engage with people and have them to kind of uh, answer whatever question you, you may ask. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I messed up the Bohemian. You know? No, <laughs> <laughs> it just came to my mind. <laughs> but um, no worries. But you, I think you are amazing, brother. And, thank you. And I thank Dwight for introducing you to me. And you're, I see amazing things happening in the future. And and hopefully, once this comes a big conglomerate that. We'll be on your show, uh, you know, interviewing there, maybe in Hawaii somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. We'll just do uh, world tours. World tour. And that's another thing I plan on doing. Um, I want to do a a tour of all the places I've been around the world have like a charter tour. I think I think people will love that. Oh, they would definitely love it. Yeah. 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 
Africa, People Greece, Australia, money for that. Hawaii. Yes, I believe yeah. they would. I really do. Let's find a way to put that in motion. Yes, sir. Leo Clifton, ladies and gentlemen, we're out of here. Thank you. Peace. Bellantics. It is evident that the level of creativity, inspiration, and thought that Leo possesses puts him in a class of his own. In order to be a great and iconic leader, Leo states that innovation is what gets us there, at which point we can take charge and lead up. If interested in reading The Last Prince of Atlantis, go to www.leonardclifton.com or follow him on Instagram at leonardclifton.com global citizen. Thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode and wish to share it, please post this link on Instagram and tag us at lead up lifestyle. Special thanks goes out to our sponsors. And if you wish to donate, simply go to the bottom of the lead up podcast description and click the donate link. And as always, keep leading up.